There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning in to our Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a new week here on the podcast as we begin our Monday edition. And we certainly are welcoming each and every one of you that are listening, some of you possibly for the first time. Many of you are longtime subscribers. We certainly appreciate that. And we thank the Lord for his goodness to us. We want to thank the Lord for the good services we had over the weekend. And it was there at the Agamogan Baptist Church here in Sedgwick, Maine. We feel like the Lord really helped us. We just dealt with the sufferings of Christ and uh, went through the scriptures and then the glory that should follow in the resurrection of Christ. And then also his con- coming kingdom as prophesied in scripture. And folks who are attending, folks seem to uh, receive help. Folks came to us and said they'd seen Christ. They've never seen him before. And we rejoice in that, how we thank God for that. What a privilege it is to see Jesus Christ, to know him, to get into the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, we'll be, again, we started yesterday morning at the Tremont Baptist Church in Seal Cove, Maine. And uh, Brother Barnes and the folks there, we thank God for those services. We will be again tonight, tomorrow night, and Wednesday night. 6.30 p.m. each night there at the Tremont Baptist Church. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you. The services will not be online. I would say that it's because they don't have internet in the area, but they barely have electricity. However, they do have one thing up on the Manasseh Community Baptist Church. They have running water and an actual commode inside. And so we do thank the Lord for the folks there at Tremont, the good services, and what a blessing it's been. So we're looking forward to what God is going to do this week. We're also looking forward to what the Lord will do on this podcast. I hope it's a help. I hope it's a blessing to you. And so continue to tune in each and every day as we go through the book of Job. And today we're going to finish Job chapter 27. And Job 27, I'm going to start back a little bit where we left off, a little bit prior to that. But in verse 11, I will teach you by the hand of God that which is with the Almighty will I not conceal. In verse 12, he says, Behold, all ye yourselves have seen it. Why then are you thus altogether vain? Now, he said, we've all seen it. I believe what he's references there is that light that has lit every man, that light which has come into the world. And I believe it's the grace of God that has appeared to all men. And that's what I believe is what he's speaking. All men can be partakers. All men have opportunity to be partakers in these things. Why are you then altogether vain? This is the portion of a wicked man with God and the heritage of oppressors, which they shall receive of the Almighty. And so that's what he's speaking of there. Men have rejected this. They've turned from the light. They've walked away from the light. And therefore, they're going to get their portion because they've denied the very person of Jesus Christ. And yesterday in the evening, we preached on the Son of God there at the Egemolgan Baptist Church. 
And the Son of God prophesied in Scripture and how we see him according to the Scriptures. And that's where men are today. They've denied that. They've no different than Job's day. They've denied the very existence of God, but they've also denied his Son. And if you deny the existence of the Son, you deny the existence of God. You cannot separate that. There's too much truth in this world to deny one, receive the other. There's too much truth to deny one member of the Godhead and deny another. There's just too much light that's come into this world. We have the Word of God. We have this King James Bible. It is that final authority, and God has never changed. And that's what people are up against today. They like to pick and choose what they believe rather than believe the Word of God. And we started off yesterday dealing with that in the Sunday school hour, this idea of why we think the way we think and why our minds are formulated around the thoughts that we think and all the things that influence. And the, the greatest thing that we need above all else is to have the mind of Christ, those things which are Jesus Christ. And what a difference that will make. He says, if his children be multiplied, who's that? That's the wicked man. And I understand he's talking about a wicked man here in verse 13. He's going beyond just the norm of what you and I would see. Because when he speaks of his children being multiplied, it is for the sword. And his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. Now, we know the psalmist speaking of the wicked man. The psalmist identified, of course, many things that the, the Job is speaking about here. And he says, set there a wicked man over him and let Satan stand at his right hand. And then later on, he says, let his children be fathers, his wife a widow. Let his children be continually vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. That's his children. Verse 13, let his posterity be cut off. And the generation following, let their name be blotted out. That's Psalm 109. Why? He's talking about the wicked. He's talking about that wicked man. And that's what he's speaking of here when he says, and his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. Why? They're not going to receive bread. They're going to be cut off. Those that remain of him shall be buried in death, and his widows shall not weep. And that's a plurality. We're talking about the wicked. And I realize there's a parallel there. There's a typology there. But more than that, it's the literal. That, that man of sin, that wicked one. Though he heap up silver as the dust and prepare raiment as the clay, he may prepare it, but the just shall put it on, and the innocent shall divide the silver. So what is a profit if a man gain the whole world but lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What profit is there if you have gold and silver? What profit is it if you have the goods of this world when you're going to die and you're going to seize? That's the little application to us. That's nothing prophetic, what I'm speaking of there, although the prophecy is in this passage. But yet you and I also must look at the literal because we understand this is the end of all men. All men are going to the grave. All men are going to die. And God will cut many off because of their wickedness, because of their great iniquity, because of their sin. And therefore, God is going to appoint them their recompense of the error of their ways. God is going to appoint them unto death. They're going to lose everything they had. Others are going to revel in their wealth and their filthiness and their, their gold and their silver. Others are going to take advantage of that. Uh, you look at the devils in this world, these ones that are in positions, these ones that are in authority, these ones that are entertainers, and they've seduced our young people. Our young people have fallen right down that, that hole with them, and they're headed down to the pit with them. And they denied the existence of God. They, many of them have sold their soul to the devil. Some of them are devils. And they get up there and they entertain and they woo people. And they always start off pretty normal. They start off pretty base. They start off pretty, uh, can I say, bebop, pop. And then once they get a fan base and people begin to swoon over them like Elvis Press, they become more vile and more vulgar. And they become more obscene. And they become more antichrist. And it's made manifest what they are. 
And there's going to be their end. They're going to die. They're going to perish. Liberace had no one to leave his effects to. He has tens of millions of dollars. And there's others like that. They'll be leaving behind hundreds of millions of dollars. And their children are going to squander it. Their children are going to blow it. But that's the posterity of the wicked. That's what they're going to get. It's going to be the error of their way. And what he speaks of here, though, is all the silver and the riches that have been obtained. And, and a lot of that is for the selling of souls. They're bartering with men's souls. And they're going to be gone. It's going to disappear. He built his house as a moth and as a booth that the keeper maketh. And so, again, the protection, the safety, the shelter, there is no such thing for the wicked. There is no protection. They have a false protection. They have a false sense of security. It's amazing how they talk about lottery winners, and uh, they all rejoice about how much money they've won, but then they realize the expenses of being rich. They have to hire personal security. They have to hire home security and travel security, and they have to have bodyguards. And eventually, when the money dips low, they can drop those things because they've squandered all their money. And they don't realize how much it costs to be rich. You have to pay lawyers and brokers and financial agents and all of these other people. They're going to take care of your monies and your finances. And they go absolutely broke doing that. Why? Because they don't know the cost of being rich. And yet there's people that labor in this life, not lottery winners, they don't labor for anything, but there's those that labor to be rich, they spend their lives being rich, and they don't realize it's going to be gone in a moment, it is going to be here for a time, it disappears, but they've tore down their barns, they've built those bigger barns, and the Lord's going to look at them and say, thou fool, the rich man shall lie down, but he shall not be gathered. He openeth his eyes, and he is not. Why does he open his eyes? He's in hell. That's the rich man of Luke 16. When he opened his eyes, he was in hell. He beheld Lazarus afar off, but it was too late. Abraham's bosom was filled with Lazarus. The angels had carried him there, and he, he could see the rich man. The rich man could see him. They were both conscious. They were both cognizant of what's going on. They were both communicative with each other, and they're talking across that great gulf, speaking, and he's asking Lazarus, who obviously has water, and he's asking him for just a drop of water to cool his tongue. Is it any wonder those verses are under attack? Is it any wonder that religion has attacked those verses? Because they don't want to deal with that thought. They think their riches are going to protect them. They think their gain is going to protect them. I'm reminded of the city of Baltimore, and I cannot remember the name of the cemetery in Baltimore, but it's one of those known for being a wealthy cemetery. There are security guards at the cemetery because it's the place where people are buried with their riches, buried with their wealth. They're at the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh. There's one of the mummies that they have they have x-rayed, and they see uh, no doubt there's jewels. They don't know exactly what kind, and no doubt there's gold in buried inside of that mummy, entombed in his casing. And why is that? Because they were buried with their riches. They thought it was going to help them in the afterlife. They thought their money was not short-term. They did not realize when they closed their eyes, they're not coming back. They're not going to resurrect. They're not going to be uh, in this life, in the land of the living, until that day of judgment. But at that time, it's too late. They're going to stand before God. Those books are going to be open. And when they find out their name's not written, they're going to be cast into hell. And it'll be too late for them. But you know, it's no different than the average church member today. And I did say the average church member, probably above average church member. They've never come to repentance. They will not bow the knee to Jesus Christ. They love their riches, love their wealth, love their prestige, love their position. And they will not bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And the bottom line is they do not believe the scriptures. And so many of them are wrapped up in mythology, and they think that their mythology is going to carry them through, or methodology is going to carry them through. That's the practice of religion. And they know how to be religious, and they know how to be mythologists, and they know how to do all of these things, but they do not know the Son of God. 
And so again, Job is painting this picture for us. The wicked is the same. It's the same. It's that spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. It's across this world. The love of money is still the root of all evil. In verse 20, it says, terrors take hold on him. Who's that? The rich man that lies down is not going to be. Terrors take hold on him as waters. A tempest steals him away in the night. Why? Because he's died godless. He's died without hope. The east wind carrieth him away, and he departeth, and as a storm hurleth him out of his place. For God shall cast upon him and not spare. He would fain flee out of his hand. And there it is. God's going to be the judge of these things. God's going to judge the wicked. God's going to judge that wicked. God's going to judge us. And therefore, the things that we've done, whether or not we've done it with the joy of the Lord, done in the court of the spirit of holiness, or just done it in the vanity of our flesh, is going to be judged. Yet the wicked of this world, and it's hard to fathom that religious people can be wicked, but they can be wicked because they've denied the very Son of God. They love their sin. They love their iniquity. They love their unrighteousness. Uh, they love their own ideas over God's ideas. The vanity of their minds is where they live. They live in that hole of the vanity of their mind. And it's so empty and there's just nothing there. It's just a shell. But even that shell is broken. They still cannot see that this is just the vanity of their thinking, the vanity of their ideals. And they will not bow the knee to Jesus Christ. They will not acknowledge him as the son of God. So God shall cast upon him and not spare. He would fain feed out of his hand. And so God's going to do this, and that's all wicked, those following that wicked, those following the pattern of that wicked. Things have never changed since the, the sin of Adam. These things have been in place and been in existence. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. So again, the rejection of God, the rejection of truth. And Job is contending with his friends over these things. It's not the wealth of a man, the gold of a man, the success of a man that has nothing to do with his standing with God. That rich man died and went to hell. That poor man, that beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Had nothing to do with his eternal standing. But what do people focus on? Money? Success? What do they deem successful? A good job? Good career? Money in the bank? 401k? It's amazing how many people die and never get a chance to see their retirement. They save all those years for retirement. Or some company squanders their retirement, leaves them in the lurch, and then they're 75 years old, greeting people at the local five and dime. And what a tragedy that is because they've squandered their finances because that's what they lived for. They lived for things. They lived for gain. They lived for money. They lived for riches. And that pattern was established in Ezekiel 28. We see that in the Prince of Tyrus. That was his pattern as well. He thought his riches would get him somewhere with God, but rather it drove him from God, and he perishes. And God has made it so that each man, that that money is his God, is going to perish. You cannot serve God. And, and listen, you cannot serve God and desire and seek after and love that money. But what you need to do is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. And my friend, if this is you and God's put his finger on you today, I do pray that you'd find a place of repentance. I do pray that you'd ask the Lord to help you to not be covetous and not desire that vanity of gold and the emptiness of silver, but rather desire the eternal riches, which are Jesus Christ. Have a great day. Pray for our services tonight in Seal Cove. We'll be back on here, Lord willing, tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy
You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redemption.